Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. Your text today, Matthew 11, if you want to go there and you're um, physical or app, whichever, let's turn there and we'll read verses one through four, but I really just want to focus in on one of those today. All right. And then today we're starting a series called overjoyed. It's about living life beyond your feelings. Now we're going into, um, the holiday season. We just came out of a holiday season, but we're, you know, it's like you come out of one and you go right into the other. And in the commercial world, it's crazy because you know, y'all remember uh, it used to be where you have, uh, they celebrate Halloween for those people that do that. You've got your pumpkins and all that in the store. Then they didn't put out Thanksgiving stuff until, until after Halloween. Then they didn't put out Christmas stuff until after Thanksgiving. And it seems like now, what well, doesn't seem, I actually saw like they had Halloween stuff and they were putting out Christmas stuff already. It was crazy how they blended together over the years. And so we live in this, this time where everything is really fast and we live in a microwave and we want instantaneous, we want instantaneous happiness. The thing is, is in the holiday season, this is what we're going into a season that is one of the most depressed seasons of all year. Like this time that you would think would be that the happiest and the most joyful becomes a season that people are, are grief stricken. As a matter of fact, I had someone reach out to me the other day for counseling and I don't do that type of counseling. I do biblical counseling. I can help you from a biblical perspective, but I can't help you. There are things about your marriage. I just can't help you. I can help you with what the Bible says, but you need a marriage counselor. There are some people that they need a psychological counselor. They need a, they need a psychotherapist that knows how the mind works. Shay will tell you, I don't know how the mind works. She'll let you know real quick. But you need someone beyond what I can do. But I can help you in this area. But in the area of counseling, this is, this is a serious... And there are a few people in here who are counselors or at our church that they operate in the area of counseling Erica is one of them, and you can validate anything I say that is right on. You, you validate it, sister. But this is a part of the holiday where, or the year where you see a lot of increase in suicides. This is a lot of times in the year where you see a lot of alcoholism, a lot of drug abuse, a lot of dependency, because people are trying to drown what they're going through. And a few years ago, you know, this is, I don't know how long this is going to be part of my story, guys. It's always going to be a part of my story, but I'm, I try not to let that become my identity. Does that make sense? It's part of my story, and because I'm still fairly close to it, it it's like I talk about it a little more, and there will come a point in my life, I'm hoping and assuming that I'll refer to it very little. 
But I'm just about anywhere from a period of three to five years away from meaning in the past. So within the past three to five years, I've been in a place where it's been very dark in my personal world, in my ministry world. And I have gone through things, and it's like I've been through it, and I've shared this with our church. I've been through it. You don't know all that I've been through, but I'm very transparent, so I typically share fairly openly. But I've been through so much that I'm like, God, come on. Like, I give up. That's how I've wanted to say. I can see why these guys quit ministry. Like, it's, it's scary, guys, how fast ministers are quitting ministry at an alarming rate. They're just giving up. They're just like, I can't take it anymore. I cannot take it. I can see why. Because just like this isn't your only activity during the week, this is not my only activity during the week. Church is not all I carry. I got a family. I got a family with problems. I've got, you know, kinfolk with problems. I've got situations in my life that I have to deal with. And I've been through these times where it's like, come on, Jesus. I don't know how much more I can take. And give a guy a break. It's like you, you feel like you are truly doing right. And you feel like you are truly living a life of integrity. And then this happens. And just about the time you get over that one, and some of these don't even have anything to do with you other than your collateral damage or this is in your family. And you're, you know what I'm saying? You get roped into it. And it's like, it's like one after another. And I have had conversations in the past five years with God, and I've said, you know, you're not fair. Anybody ever had those conversations? Like, you are not fair. I have done this, 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 and this, and you are not fair. Oh, yeah, I mean, a few little things, like, but yet, for real, God? Because it looks like I'm getting a bigger load of, forgive me, I'm getting a bigger load of crap than, you know, I'm messing up. It doesn't seem proportionate. Come on, man, anybody with me? Are you, am I the only one? And what will happen is I can remember going through some of our darkest times because Shay walked through that with me. I had to force myself to get out of bed. You know I've told you that. And some of you guys who are new haven't heard that. I had to force myself out of bed because when I went to bed was the only time I had peace. Now, I thank God for that peace that I had. There was a time where when I went to sleep, Many people would be like, I can't sleep because I'm worried about all this stuff. See, I just had this, this tenacity. When it comes to sleep, ain't nobody messing with my sleep. I'm going to bed. I ain't going to wrestle with the devil. I ain't going to mess with him. Like when I'm awake, I'll do that. But I am not. While I'm asleep, I'm asleep. And I didn't take uh, a few times I took like Excedrin PM to give me a little edge. You know, if I had a, a, a day that I could sleep in late. But I, I did not take medications to sleep. But, you know, that's where it gets you. They'll, you'll take some medication to sleep, and then that's the only time you can be at peace. And I told Shay, I said, I said, I will not take medication to sleep and to prolong my sleep 
because that is how, it, how people get hooked into drugs, into, into those, those type of uh, uh, abuse where now, and I ain't talking about something I don't know. Man, I've got three siblings who are dead, and they, did, and they died from abuse. So I'm like, I ain't talking about something I don't know, and I'm not talking about something I haven't seen. So I see the detriment. That's why I chose not to go that way, and by the grace of God as well. But you'll get into this place where you want to medicate it. And it's, isn't it funny how we just, we just went through Thanksgiving, which is like, Lord, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for this and that. And, and the very next day is Black Friday. And we go from being this very peaceful, everybody's at peace, joy to the world. And the next day it's Store Wars, you know, it's like cutthroat, dog eat dog, I'm going to get mines kind of attitude. And so in this, in this season where people slip into these, it's very easy for us to not have joy, not have happiness. And when you begin to look at Scripture as the stories are unfolded in Matthew chapter 1 and 2 and Luke chapter 1 and 2 where the Christmas story is being told, you begin to look through there and you see over and over and over a recurring word. And that recurring word is joy. You'll look through those and you'll see that the wise men were, they were filled with joy. The shepherds, they went back praising God with joy. It seemed like everybody was filled with joy. As a matter of fact, the Christmas story starts before Mary, and it's with Elizabeth her, her, and Zechariah. Uh, remember her cousin, I believe? And, uh, and, and she became pregnant. And the scripture says that you will be, that he will, meaning John, will bring you joy. And not only when John was in the womb, then Mary comes to make a visit to her, and she says... When you walked in the room, because you're carrying the Savior of the world, my son, John, the forerunner of the Savior, leapt in my womb with joy. I mean, joy is all over the place in the story of Jesus. And so we look at this, and this is going to be our key verse for the next few weeks, John 15, 11, and it says this, I have told you these things. Jesus is speaking. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. So we're talking about overjoyed and overflowing joy is what he says that you and I can have. He says, I've told you these things. Well, what things is he talking about? You, you know, what things? Well, right before that in John chapter 14 and then later in John chapter 15, he's talking about, I'm getting ready to leave this world. As, and as I'm getting ready to leave this world, I want you to know a few things. I'm not going to cover them all. But he said, one is, y'all saw me do these things, right? We didn't dream them up. You saw me cast out devils. You saw me heal the sick. You saw me uh, heal the blind. You saw me do miracles of multiplication. You saw how I did spiritual warfare. You saw how I did physical warfare, meaning fighting off the different entities. And it wasn't with a sword. You know, we want to fight with the sword. But he says, you saw me do these things. Well, guess what? Y'all are going to do greater things. That's what he says. 
He says, you guys are going to do greater things. You're going to do this on a grander scale than I did. I know that I, you know, fed 5,000, you know, when you add all the other people in there, it could have been anywhere from, I don't know, upwards of 10,000 folks there. Do you see people with ministries larger than Jesus today? That's what he's talking about. You know, some, some guys have churches that are multi-site that are, that are literally 50,000 in their, in their, uh, all of their congregations. Jesus that's what he's saying when you will do greater things. You got people like Benny Hinn and uh, different ministries that you see them going and they're, they're in having like millions of salvations in these crusades. They're, they're, they're having healings like in, in greater numbers than Jesus did. But it's all in his name. He's saying we're doing that. We're, we have the power to do that. Not only that, I'm leaving my Holy Spirit with you. See, it's a good thing that I go away because I'm going to leave the Holy Spirit with you so that now you'll be able to do things by the power of the Holy Spirit that you didn't have the ability to do before. And so he's saying these things. And so these are the things. And he's also saying in uh, 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 John Chapter 15, he's saying, and I just want you to know, the way that you have these things and you keep these things is if you abide in me. Like, if you stay connected with me. Guys, it's disappointing to me as a pastor. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, well, I'm not going to say that. I'll just, because that might lead me somewhere that I don't want to go. Staying connected to Jesus. Staying connected is so important. When I see people going through these things like I went through, when you go, the first thing you want to do is retreat. That's the first thing you want to do is stay away from people. But people leave the church. People get uh, disconnected from the church. They get disconnected from their men's group, their women's group, their whatever. And they wallow in self-pity. I know because I've experienced that and I forced myself to get out of bed. I forced myself to not get disconnected with people. I told people, now I'm a little bit older in the faith than a lot of folks, but not all of you. And I told different people that I valued my relationship with them and I said, listen, I don't even want to see folks but I need you to make sure I don't disconnect myself, that I don't get into this isolation because in isolation is where the enemy wants to get us during these seasons. That's where he wants to get us because when he gets you by yourself, he'll get into your head a whole lot quicker than if you got multiple people around you praying for you and encouraging you, listening to you, Letting you vent to them. Because when you vent to them, they can, if, if they're godly, they will help you get outside of your head and say, that is not how it is. I've done that this week with people in my family. I know that's how you perceive it, but that's not how it really is. I know that's what your experience tells you, but that's not reality. What you're letting yourself do, you're letting your mind and your emotions make up an alternate reality that it's actually fantasy and you're believing it like it's real. 
Somebody needs to speak the truth to us when, our, when, when we get disoriented. And I'm telling you what, in this season, there are people that are disoriented. I'm, come on, I'm talking to some people in this room. I'm talking to some people who are not here today that if you watch this later, you know I'm talking to you. That you should have been here today. The, you on another assignment, but that was not your assignment. Mm. That, that's hard preaching. Why? Why? This is hard preaching. I'm going to have to have a conversation with that person. But they, they told me that they could not be here today. And they're on assignment. And see, the enemy will make you think that that's your assignment when that's not your assignment. Well, well, it's my family. Uh, no, I don't care. Jesus said, if you don't hate your father and mother, mm, come on, man. Come on. Like, I didn't say that. What did he really mean? Does he really mean that he won't? You know he doesn't. Love cannot hate. So he's using hyperbole. He's just being hyperbolic. He's just trying to get the message across. You know, I could say it. I can say it like this. Or I could say it like. Which one gets the message across? This one. And he's just being hyperbolic. And he's saying, listen, if you don't love it, if you don't hate your mom and dad, you're not worthy to follow me. What what is he saying? There are times when family is not your priority. Mm. I'm not saying your family is not always your priority, but there are some times when your family is not your priority. That mess you created, that ain't my fault. I got some obligations over here. I got to make sure I'm fine. Listen, hey, hey, I'm talking to folks who are like, these are not healthy people. These are people in need of a doctor, in need of the Holy Spirit. They are people in need of a doctor. There are times when you got to sit your tail down and you can't help people anymore because you need to be helped yourself. Just time you got to stop. You've got to just focus on you so that you will be healthy. We can't minister out of a place of sickness. You might be able to do that for a little bit, but it is not going to last for long. You, at some point, you are going to hit. You, you might be running on fumes right now, but there is going to come a time. Shay would always get on to me, and she's like, man, you're running on fumes. And I'm like, meaning in my car. And I'm like, Mm-mm, I know how far this car, car can go. It says E right here, but, but it ain't E to right there. But I'm telling you what, there's a few times before we got these newfangled cars that it'll tell you, you got, you know, 1.999 miles before you go out of, run out of gas. There were times where you just know your car. And I misjudged it a few times and ran out of gas. See, I didn't realize how, how low the fumes were. I didn't really realize how low it is. And that's why self-care is so important. Like self-care is so important. Jesus knew that. There were times, you know this. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. There were times when Jesus said, all right, I've done enough today. I done fed some folks. We done multiplied some stuff. Let's go over to the other side where none of these people, you know, and they tried. <laughs> Those jokers, by the time he got to the other side, they done made it around there. And he's like, Dad, I knew I should have gone that other direction. But he knew there was, a, there was value in getting away from people. He knew when they were up, up, upstairs in the boat and the storm was coming, he knew that there was value in getting away, getting rest. Man, his body would get tired. 
Your body needs to be rested. Your mind needs to be rested. Hey, listen to me. Let me go back to this real quick. Make sure the assignment that you're on is your assignment. I'm going to let it sink in for a minute. Make sure the assignment that you're on is your assignment. Are you following me? There have been times in my life where people called me into an assignment and I picked that assignment up. And you know what I did? When I was on that assignment, I missed my assignment. While I was on an assignment that really wasn't my assignment, I was helping them out. I missed my God moment. Now, God in his mercy is graceful and he swings back around. But there's something in a rhema moment that you can't get back. There's something in a kairos, a rhema word in a kairos moment. When God mixes those together, a rhema word meaning right now, this word's for you. A kairos moment, a moment that God created just lined everything up just for you. You can't get those always back just like that. God in his mercy will speak and open up again. But sometimes, you know, it's like God does it and boom, you're not there for it. It's, it's gone. You know, somebody else got that blessing. So, overjoyed. Uh, I, I want to tell you about a time Shay and I were traveling down the road. This was one of the scariest times in my life. Scariest. I, I've had a, I haven't had a whole lot of scary times. Like I was scared to death. I've had about four of those. Every single one of them. Can you imagine what the common denominator, anybody want to guess? Family. In every single one of those instances, they involved my family. And I remember we were coming through Bessemer into Birmingham, and uh, there was just like a sheet of rain coming towards our van. And I had my wife, me, and we are, we're in our Honda minivan, and I had my two little kids right back here. And all of a sudden, this sheet of rain just I mean, it's like we ran into a wall of rain. It wasn't raining, and all of a sudden, it's pouring so hard, we can't even see. And I, I'm, I'm in the, you know how in the lanes, the right lane is always the worst lane to travel in, even though that's the one you're supposed to be in, but it's because the, the roads have gotten rutted because of all the traffic weight. And in that is where the water pools, and it wears out quicker than the left lane. So I was just going to, I was going like about 65. I wasn't going crazy uh, or speeding. And I was just going to ease over into the left lane because there was puddles of water in the road. And I wanted to get out of that so that I didn't hydroplane. And so I got, I, I just began to ease over into the left lane. And as, and as I eased over, the, the van started to spin. And now, I'm going down the interstate at 65 miles an hour, and it begins to turn. I've never had that happen to me before. And I know that the, the, you're supposed to turn into your spin, all right? And I did that, and, and it, oh, it, starts, it starts doing this number. And then it started hydroplaning the other way. And then it turns all the way around. Now, I'm going 65 miles an hour down the, hot, down the interstate backwards. It gets worse. Now I'm going down an embankment. And I don't know. 
I don't know what to do. And I know y'all think that Carrie Underwood wrote that song, but I really did. Because I was like, Jesus, take the wheel. You know, because I'm, I'm serious. I was like, oh, God, oh, God. And I just, I just remember saying, oh, God, oh, God, help us, God. And I remember I, I couldn't do anything going backwards. So I just turned around to my family because I'm like, I, don't, I didn't know if that was like the last time. Because I didn't know what was down there. You know, you go and you look and there's trees and, you know, embankments that you fall over. And later, as everything kind of, I realized that I did not steer, stare where I, or steer where I was staring. You heard that in in school? I, I forgot that lesson. I was not steering where I was staring. Or staring where I was steering. Those two weren't lined up for me. And so what happened is, you know, I, I should have been turning where, but I, I wasn't. I was turning in the direction that I thought I was supposed to go. When you are looking to correct, autocorrect, you've got to stare where you steer. Or you've got to steer where you stare. Whatever you're staring at, steer in that direction. Where you want to go, you know, you point that direction and you look that direction and it keeps you from going in a ditch. A lot of times, spiritually, people are staring at the wrong thing. And so they're steering at it and they end up in a ditch off the embankment like we did. Like there's things going on in, in our worlds that we are overwhelmed with. Like they overload and sometimes they come so fast that you get overloaded. And, 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 and it's like, man, I'm just telling you, uh, when you go through those times, we have to walk in a heightened place of grace with people because you will do things out of character. And I'm telling you what, Somebody needs to hear this, and some of y'all probably in this church. But I'm telling you, when I was going through my stuff, and some of y'all knew some of that that I was going through, very few, and I'm talking about maybe single-digit fingers, very few people came to my aid. But they definitely raised their voice, meaning raised their opinion, when I stepped out of character, And I did step out of character because it was happening so fast. My my emotions, everything in my world. And I'm like, dude, everything I'm touching just looks like it's going to poop. And I'm like, I'm, I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm trying to be faithful. I'm trying to be a man of integrity. I'm trying to, you know, manage things. I'm trying to be a good leader. And everything was, and it, it, it was overwhelming. And so when you are at that place, you're, dude, stuff is just going to happen. I mean, you can ask anybody in this church that knows me. I am a fairly calm person almost all the time. Very little do I lash out. Very, very little. But my wife will tell you, I don't get upset. But when I get upset, man, it's going to be on like a chicken bone. Like, Because I let it build up, 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 and then it ain't pretty. And when we are in those situations with people, we have to walk in a level of grace, which I'm just telling you, I have not seen in the church very much. 
We have to walk in a level of grace. Everybody likes to talk about grace when it applies to them. But when it applies to other people, we, we don't operate in a level of grace that is needed to help this person through this. I love you, pastor, but I know that ain't you talking. That's your emotions. I love you, pastor, but I know that's not the right decision, and you, that wasn't the right decision. And, you know, I love you, but you and your emotions. You know what I'm saying? And I don't mean to offend any of my friends in this room, but very few people came to my side and ever said those things to me. But they let me know when I got out of line, you know, how disappointed they were when I got out of line, you know. But I'm like, we've got to operate at a higher level of grace. I'll tell you like Pastor Tony Petway told me a few uh, uh, months ago. He said, I won't let my people put a demand on me that I won't put back on them. I'm like, hmm. He said, I won't let them require a certain level of grace of me that they won't give me back. He's like, whatever you demand of me, that's what I demand of you. He's like, if you want me at your bedside praying over you and your sick mom or your sick cat or your you know, daughter with a hangnail on her pinky toe, if you want me to be faithful, then show up for ministry. If you want to be faithful, then help me do something. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you want, you want to be encouraged? Be an encourager. It's like, don't put the same demand on me that uh, 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 let make me put a demand on me that you won't allow me to put on you. Don't, don't, don't put a, a one on Harold that Harold, you, you won't put back on Alan. Like the body is supposed to be symbiotic. We work together. We work in symbiosis. You know what I'm saying? And so when we talk about being, being overjoyed, like where does joy come from? Because friend, there's a difference between happiness and joy. And I never, I, I really didn't know that until I got to be an adult. I thought joy was happiness. But joy is not happiness. Joy is internal while happiness is external. Joy is something that when you find it and when you get it, when you understand it, it's not something that can be taken away from you. But, but can I tell you, can I tell you something? That uh, this week, this week, this happened to me. I was happy one minute. Dude, everything is going. I'm enjoying this, you know, little turkey Thanksgiving vacation. The next minute, I taught somebody come into my life. They shared something with, and instantly, my happiness went out the window. Now, my joy didn't, but my happiness left me. Why? Because happiness is temporal. Happiness is fleeting. Happiness can, can come and go, ebbs and flows, but joy is an assurance. Blessed assurance. That's, that's that blessed assurance. Like we know that we know that we know that we know. That's what joy is. Joy is based on our focus and not our feelings. You know, we talk a lot about being spirit-led. If you're spirit-led, you're not soul-led. That's what, you know, we're not soul-led people, soul, emotions, we're, we're not supposed to be. Sometimes we are. I had a friend not too long ago was talking to me about the fruit of the Spirit. And he said, uh, 
you know, I, I deal with uh, love. I got love down. I've got, you know, joy down. I've got this, I got. he got to self-control and he said, I struggle with this one. And I said, well, uh, you, sh- you should learn to get that under control. Like, I'm not saying that that's not real. I'm not saying that you don't, but you're aware of that. Like, you're self-aware that you struggle with self-control. So what are you doing? And this is what he told me. That's just the way I am. And I'm like, that's a pit. That's a lie from the pit. That's not just the way you are. Because the fruit of the Spirit, I referred to this a little bit last week, the fruit, the one fruit of the Spirit, not fruits, the one fruit. That's what it says, Galatians 5, 23, go check, 22 and 23, go check it out for yourself. It does not say the fruits, plural. You go all the way back to the Greek, it's singular. The fruit, one fruit, tastes like love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, faithfulness, kindness, and self-control. You can't, you can't take a bite of it and go, yeah, I don't, I don't like that taste. I'm going to spit that one out. No, you, you can do that with fruits, but you cannot do that with fruit. So listen to me, church family. If you are walking in the fruit of the spirit, you should be walking in love. You should be walking in joy. You should be walking. I'm just, listen, this is, this might be tough. This might be tough. Uh, Shay and I were out some way the other day, and the guy putting our groceries into the bags, um, Shay said, could I get those? I don't even know her answer uh, or her question, but it was something like, can I get those in the same bag? These items, can I get those in the same bag? And he's like, I suppose. And I thought I heard him, but I looked at her and I said, did he just say, <laughs> did he say he supposes? Like, what is he going to debate about it or, you know, deliberate or ask his boss? Like, just put them in the same bag, you know? And I'm just sitting there and she's like, well, his first comment was, what, did you, what was it? He said, you asked him, how, how are you today? And his comment was, I'm good enough. So, so, so right now, you know, this guy, where he's at, he's not at a good place. He's, you can tell this guy's not having a good day. Those are symptomatic. You know, how he's interacting with the customer is symptomatic. So it's not like we go off on him. You know, it's like, you know, you just basically have pity and pray for the guy. And so you basically, empathy is what I really should have said. But you know what I'm saying? Like, like this guy is not at a good place. He is, he is, he needs grace where, where you and I, if we walk in self-control, we don't go off on that guy. And it's, look, like, man, I'm paying $875 for these three bags of groceries. You better give me some customer service. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, because we're operating at a higher level of grace. We don't walk out of that. We don't lose our cool. Why? Because we're operating in the fruit of the Spirit. We don't get to pick and choose that. And so the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. We should be walking in joy. This guy was not walking in joy. How many times? Dude, I'm telling you, I have seen church folk coming, and I'm like, oh, let me go here real quick. You know, hey, how you doing? Just pretend like you're talking to me. Act like you ain't done it. Why? Because the person walking up 
they broke, they unhappy, their marriage is failing, their car had a flat tire on the way to church, they lost one of their kids on the way to church, they don't even have all their kids with them, you know, they forgot to brush their teeth, their hair's cattywampus, like everything in their world is wrong. And that's how they live their life. And I'm like, bro, you got to walk in joy. You got to find joy because your life, it sucks. It's miserable being you. I don't want to be you. Like, that's not, it. listen, the world wants, God wants the world to see Jesus in me. So I will be a reflection of his glory. Do you think Jesus is like, Oh, my God, I didn't even want to get out of bed and come to this place today. You come into that place so you can work and get your tail a paycheck to pay your bills. That's like you ain't doing that place a favor. That's your blessing. Like you cursing your blessing. You're not being diligent about your blessing. And you want God to bless you with a new car or a better house. And you can't even drag your tail out of bed to make it to work on time. And when you're there, you're all grumpy and puss, puss face about it. You know what I'm saying? It's like you have got to pull yourself together. Walk under the anointing of the fruit of the Spirit, of which joy is one of them. Why am I saying all this? Because I'm talking to some folks this morning that's going through some stuff that the enemy has come to your house to try to rob you, steal from you your joy. Your joy, your joy, your joy. I'm just telling you, man, I don't care if you get mad at me or not. There's too much drama in your life. You're coming off of my Facebook page. I can't wake up to that mess every day. I can't wake up to that mess every day. Now, I love you. I'll be graceful to you. But I just can't. I, there's just certain people. I do that with my family. I, man, I, I, I'll unfriend you, you know, uh, from my family. Like, no, I don't care if you, you're, you're my cousin, you're my brother. I will get rid of you. Why? Because that's not going to attack my joy. And you ain't going to pull me into you. Uh, oh, some of my family's watching me today. Y'all know y'all done this. If my sister, if you're watching, mm, I love you. I love you, Georgie. She and one of my brothers got into it on Facebook one time, and I, I, I'm, I'm over there saying, y'all need to take this off somewhere. That, that belongs over in Messenger. Y'all need to handle this in private. And I said, you know you ain't going to change him, so y'all need to stop this. Now, I didn't do this on Facebook, so we ain't got a thread going. I'm doing this on another thread, a text some, somewhere. But I'm like, hey, don't pull me into that mess. Don't pull me into the, that mess. Why? Because you surround yourself like that. I'm telling you. I am telling you the truth. Y'all know I'm telling you the truth. You'll begin to talk like that. You around your family, I notice this every time I go to Mississippi, no offense, Mississippi family, I love y'all, okay? But every time I go to Mississippi, I notice that my language changes. I start slurring words <laughs> that I'm like, I start talking country or no offense, no offense. <laughs> but I start talking like with, with, a, with, with more slur. And I, you know, the longer you're around people, you'll begin to pick up their words. You'll begin to pick up their language. You'll begin to pick up the nuances that, that, that they bring. Listen, man, if there are people in your world, try to reach out and love them and even let them know, I can't be around that. Like, guys, I ain't telling y'all something that I don't practice myself. 
I told my wife recently, and I won't go into the, to the, to the topic matter, but I told her, I'm not going to be a part of that. Don't ask me to be a part of that. When we get there, don't, don't you know, because this is all familial stuff, if you follow me. And in her side of the family, I'm just saying. <laughs> so why do I say that? Because family that's watching me this morning, I'm just giving you all a break for a minute. But I, I did. Shane, I had this conversation and I said, I just don't want to be a part of it. I just can't. I can't. It gets me to a very bad place. And this is my boundary that I'm drawing for myself. It's for me. It's for me. And my health doesn't mean I don't love you. Doesn't, doesn't mean I don't love you. Doesn't mean I can't pray for you. But it just means this is where my boundary is. This is where my boundary is. Joy is based on our focus. It's not based on our feelings, okay? Joy is based on our focus, what we focus on. If you stare at it, and you're going to start steering at that, if you stare at your circumstances, if you focus on your circumstances, if you focus on the right now, and it's so easy to do that. This morning, I have had to catch myself in the prayer room, I'm catching myself. God, help me not to focus on my circumstances. Help me not to focus on my circumstances because the circumstances are screaming real loud. The, folk, the circumstances are trying to get me. You know, you, you had these people, the squeakiest hinge is the one that gets the most oil, the squeakiest wheel, blah, blah, blah. You, your circumstances are like the, the, the brat child that just keeps getting louder and louder. And it's like, hey, I'm over here. Look at me. This is not good. I'm fixing to break something. You know, it's that, that's, that's that kid. And you're, you give it attention. And when you give it attention, that becomes the reality. And it diminishes what God can do and elevates what the enemy can do. And sometimes the enemy, see, we think he's got a sword and he's fighting us in the natural. But you know what he's doing? He, y'all, y'all have seen those virtual reality hats, uh, uh, goggles, whatever they call them. That's where he's fighting you in your mind. And you know what we look like when we're fighting the enemy in our mind? Like this. You know, you're... Because it's not real. It's a battlefield of the mind. He's gotten here. The mind and the soul are connected. He's fighting us there, not in the natural. And so we're all caught up in our emotions when we need to be founded in the word of God that he is taking care of us. Look at this scripture. Matthew 11, 1 through 4. John the Baptist and Jesus, this is, Verse 1 says, when Jesus had finished giving these instructions to his 12 disciples, he went out to teach and preach in the towns throughout the region. John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about the things the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah we've been expecting? Now he's talking about his cousin right here. So He says, are you the Messiah we've been expecting or should we keep looking for another one? Jesus told him, go back and tell John what you've heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. And he added, God blesses those who do not fall away 
because of me. There's, there's two important verses in, in this that I want you to, to catch. One is, uh, is verse 3, and the other is verse 6. The first one is this. Are you the Messiah that we've been expecting, or should we look for someone else? See, John is wondering if Jesus is really the Messiah that they've been focusing on. They've been looking for him. I personally did not study this out, so I don't know how long they had been looking for the Messiah. I don't know when the first, somebody in here might know that, but I don't know when the first prophecy of the coming Messiah was from that point until uh, he was in jail, and he asked this question. But we're talking hundreds of years and he, they, so Israel has been looking forward to the coming of the Messiah for hundreds of years. And he's asking, are you the one? Are you the one that we've been looking for? Because if you're not, we don't want to waste our time is basically what he's saying. Should we look for another? Because he's coming. See, he was, he, was, uh, he was certain that the Messiah was coming. He had that kind of, uh, of, of uh, respect and honor for the prophetic word. He knew that the Messiah was coming. But it's been so long. And it's like we've looked and they've come. And, you know, I don't know this to be true that more had come before Jesus. But we know more came after Jesus. Messiahs. They were all false messiahs. I don't know if any came before him, but that's plausible. But we know that several came after him. Many came after him. There are some today. And he's saying, listen, we know he's coming. We are watching for him. But we don't want to get distracted. Are you the one? Just tell us if you're the one. And Jesus says, I'm the one. He said, you've seen these things happen. I'm the one. And verse six, he says this. He says, God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. God blesses those who do not fall away. So what he's basically saying here is exactly what he said in John chapter 15. God blesses those who do not disconnect themselves from me. Like if you want to be blessed... Stay connected with me. Well, what about people who aren't connected with Jesus that are blessed? Listen, their blessing is temporal. Like you gotta, you gotta understand the, the difference between blessing and blessing. Blessing and blessing. Elon Musk, I know we look at him and we go, blessing, like richest guy in the world. Dude, are you serious? The whatever, bit, not Bitcoin, but the... That whole cryptocurrency thing that was going on recently, how one day he had it, the next day he didn't. Are you following me? Like, that's not blessing. Like, we look at that as blessing. But true blessing, you got to know where your blessing comes from. You've got to know the source of your blessing. You've got to know what is and what is not important. And joy is based on our focus, what we focus on. And see, they were not wanting to get disfocused unfocused, disconnected from their search of the Messiah. And Jesus, so he tells them, I am the Messiah. Look at this scripture real quick. This is Jesus. We're talking about Jesus. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin that clings to us so closely and let us run with 
endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Let me just real quick. The very first part of that verse, let us lay aside every weight and sin that clings to us so closely. See what's happening there is Paul is telling us, listen, unless you lay some stuff down, unless you learn to let some stuff go, you are not going to be able to run with endurance. You might run, but you are going to, uh, well, I don't even know if you can run, but you, you, you might be, be stumbling in, in, in that direction, but you're so weighted down with things. He's saying, put that stuff down, let that go, set it aside and so that you can run with endurance. See, because listen, God has made us to run. There are times that, yea, we go through the valley of the shadow of death. I get all that. But he has made us to run. He has made us to advance. He has made us to accelerate. And we're not able to run. We're not able to keep up with the big dogs. And a lot of times we're wondering, like, why things ain't happening to me? And it's because we got so much junk that we're clinging on to. And he says, lay that stuff down. And then he says, when you lay it down, look to Jesus as our example. Look to Jesus who, for the joy that was set before him. Like if I set something before me, I set it in front of me so that I can stare at it. You stare wherever you're staring. That's where you steer. Wherever you steer, that's where you end up. You'll get here if you steer where you're staring. And Jesus, he set up the joy that was set before him. It was joy. Well, he says, enduring the cross, despising the shame. Like if I told any of you today, some of y'all are going to the electric chair. Nobody gets excited about that. that that's a fearful thing. That's something that is shameful and, and horrendous. Nobody gets, you know, excited about that. But he knew I've got to endure this. Why? Because the joy that's set before him. What is the joy The joy is Alan is going to get delivered and saved. And I'm going to use his life. The joy is Lynn. I'm going to deliver him and save him. And then there's all these other. It's a trickle-down salvation experience. Like all these young men that you're ministering to in the inner city. They're going to grow up. And they're going to become godly men. And they're going to influence others. And then they're going to influence others. And then they're going to influence others. And he's doing that through them. He's doing that through you. He's doing that through you. And all of us who will allow him. That is his joy. Have you ever been through something where you go, I don't like this now, but it's worth it in the end? That's what that means. It's not fun now. It's embarrassing now. Or I'm going to have to go through this now. But in the end, it is worth it. That's what he's saying. And so Jesus said, I'm going to set joy in front of me. Some of us need to sit down at our life, sit down and look at our life and go, what is true joy for me? I, I, I know you want that house. Is that really what you need right now? I, I know you want that other job. Is that really what you need right now? What, what is the joy? See, we teach this thing in seven habits of highly effective people. You begin with the end in mind. So what, 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 how do I want my life to look? I want my life to look like, my family as well, 
I'm, we're all in right standing with God. It, we're joyful. We're healthy. So if I want that to, to be there, what do I, how did I get that? I wanted that at an early age. So I didn't go out and pick my wife up at the club. And if you picked up your husband or wife at the club and they're here today and y'all are saved, praise God, because that's a grace on y'all. But I didn't go pick my wife up at the club. Why? Because that's usually not where you go to pick up good girls. Y'all, come on, man. Am I preaching or am I preaching? Because you know at the club what they want to do. They want to get down on it. They are not looking for anything but temporal. When I walked into that church, when I started getting to know these people, I'm like, I want her for my wife. I prayed for her at 17 years old. I knew who I was, and I knew I wasn't that. I knew what she had, because she was being a reflection. She probably didn't even know that she was a reflection of God's glory, but she was a reflection of God's glory to me that I didn't have, and I want that. I prayed for her. That was my end in mind. That's what I got. We worked hard in our life to set the end in mind and work towards that. That is the joy that I set before myself. It only comes when you work it. When you work it, it happens. Say it with me. Joy is based on my focus, not my feelings. Some of y'all are going to need to tell yourself that this week. Just incorporate it into your life. Some of y'all are going to need to let this be a reminder. Like, hey, my joy, like right now I'm not happy. I'll get through this tomorrow or next week. I might be happy again because of the however big or small this is. But my joy is found in him. My joy, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my salvation. I would, I would encourage you, just go look at, up scriptures that talk about joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Like when you are joyful, when you're not happy, you are weak. Listen to me. You might think you strong. Oh, I'm fixing to open up a, up a can of whoop. You know, like I, I, I'm powerful because I'm mad. No, 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 no. You are ignorant and you're about to be a nuclear bomb that's going to go off and somebody is going to be in that collateral damage and you definitely ain't a reflection of Jesus during that time. No, the joy of the Lord is my strength. That when all hell is breaking loose, and, and, and things are going awry that there's this confident, like, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Go look up the scriptures that you can find. And just, I would encourage you, do a word study on it. There's two scriptures I'm going to leave with you. What do you benefit if you gain the whole world and you lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? What do we benefit, profit, if we've got the good job, if we've got the great house, if we've got, you know, the, 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 the wife? Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. We were just talking about this a few days ago. And I said, why is it that some guys, now y'all hear me, I ain't dissing my wife or anything like that. And I don't, I'm not, I don't mean to diss y'all's wives. But why is it that we as men, you're trying to look for the Kardashian version of women. Like godly men want a Kardashian version of women. 
They want everything inflated and pumped up and, you know, and Botoxed. And, 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 and if you Botox, I'm not, I'm not, you know, slinging shade your way or anything like that. I'm just, you, but you get what I'm saying, right? One of our friends years ago that came to this very church was beloved in our church. Beloved in our church. But he didn't want any girls in the church. Like there's some single folks, all the single ladies. There's a few in this house. But he didn't want any of these. Because no offense to y'all. Thank God you don't look like the Kardashians. And he would go out to the club. And he would find the Kardashian version of what he wants. He'd bring them back to the house of God. He was a worshiper. He was a servant. But he couldn't ever understand why they could never connect with this house because somebody who ain't saved can't worship and sometimes even people who are saved won't worship but people who are not saved cannot worship so when you come into the house and you can't worship can I just tell you can I just tell you this doesn't even take a prophet to prophesy this somebody gonna win Somebody going to win. And he lost every time. I have no idea where he is today. I hope to God he's found his way back to the beauty of his faith that he used to have. But every time they would pull him out. Every time they would pull him out. And one time they pulled him out and he never came back. What did he get? He gained a Kardashian but he lost his faith. He lost his relationship with the Lord. He lost his joy. Anytime I would ever see them, well, him, out in public, how you doing, man? No joy. No joy. Like somebody just sucked the life out of him. At church, he was so different. At Christmas, you know, he's a single guy. He's like the big uncle. He's bringing toys and giving them out to kids. And he'd go buy toys for people, you know, uh, orphans and that kind of thing. I don't know. I'm sure he's probably still doing some of that. But sucked the life right out of him. Look at this one. Matthew 6, says this. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Like just putting God first. How do you have joy? This is how you get it. Put God first in everything. Like you got to look in everything. See, the thing is, there are some and even some of you that you're putting him first in some things. But not everything. So there's parts of your life that you are, you know, you have kind of joy over here, but you don't hear. To have a totality, a fullness of joy, that overflowing joy, you've got to come and let him be first in every part of your life. I know sometimes people get tired of hearing that, but you just have to hear it over and over until you get the lesson. Put him first in every area of your life. Every area of your life. And everything will be added to you as you need it. So how can I activate? 
how can I apply this? Self-evaluate. These are two things that you can do today. Self-evaluate. What are you focused on and where is Christ in it? Like, what are you focused on? What are your goals in life? Because everybody has goals. I used to think that goals were just dumb and nerds did that, wrote their goals down. That's just nerd stuff. You know what? Everybody has goals. It might be, I just want some rims for my truck. That's a goal. I'm just looking for some mud grips. I want that ATV. I want, you know, like, man, I just want to go to Super Bowl this year. Get me some tickets. I mean, it can be anything, but everybody has goals. Some of them are very temporal type things like that. Some are lifelong goals. But what are your goals? I'm serious. I'm not asking this as a rhetorical question. What are your goals? If I were you, I'd go write them down and I would be totally honest. See, you ain't got to show them to me to impress me. I would be totally honest with myself and I would go, where's God fit into that? And don't lie to yourself. You ever lied to yourself and God corrected you? You know, I, I have lied to myself about certain things with God and God said, you know that ain't true. You know that ain't true. You can fool some people, but you can't fool me. Just be honest with yourself. And guys, if God's not where he should be, I just want to, man, if I could, I'd be like, Paul, I beseech you. I plead with you. I beg you. Time is short. Time is short. Nobody knows that they're promised to tomorrow. And then do this, all right? Take a joy scavenger hunt through Matthew and Luke, the first two chapters. If you would, they're not long. Between now and next Sunday, you could easily do that. Go through Matthew chapter one and two and Luke chapter one and two. And every time you come across the word joy, circle it. Or every time you come across some derivative of it, like they went forth praising God. Well, you can't praise God without joy, right? You know that? You cannot, true praise. You can look like you're praising God, but God knows if it's from the heart. And so, you know, if it's a derivative, like they praised God or, or, or they were exclaiming or any, any derivative, write it down. And then it would be interesting for you to just go, wow, it's this many times some version or appearance of joy appears in just this one uh, uh, instance. It's multiple instances, but they're all in the genre of Jesus' birth.